Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is April 19th, 2017. My name is Phil Prosperenreich. I'm the expert and site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com, coming to you with another episode of Locked On Magic, a surprising day in the NBA playoffs, had had a couple, actually all three games are fairly entertaining to watch. The big story, of course, the Chicago Bulls beating the Boston Celtics for the second time on the road. The eight seed has a 2-0 lead over the one seed, heading home. Uh, really dominant performance from Chicago, actually. They they look like the better team uh, as they they're dominating the glass. Their other player, their their non-starters are playing very good basketball. Rajon Rondo looks like playoff Rajon Rondo. And uh, as I wrote for the step back, which I encourage you all to read this article, actually, uh, the t- the team with the best player always has a chance, and Jimmy Butler is the best player in that series. And so then uh, an interesting interesting first-round series, to say the least, for the Boston Celtics. Uh, my game of the night was the Toronto Raptors-Milwaukee Bucks game. I watched almost all of that game. Really entertaining game. Serge Ibaka got himself going a little bit, hit four three-pointers. The big shot, of course, Kyle Lowry hitting a jumper. But Milwaukee... Milwaukee erased a deficit there in that second half, tied the game up with about two minutes left, made some young team mistakes uh, that I think cost them in the end, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo especially. Uh, that That's a team that's still growing, and, and, and things look really bright for that group, uh, not just for the future, because Jabari Parker's kind of sitting there on the shelf just kind of waiting and twiddling his thumbs, uh, but I, I also think that they're a team that can win this series against Toronto uh, if they can put things together. It's going to be rocking when the Bucks return to the BMO Harris-Bradley Center uh, next. And then, of course, the final game of the day, the LA Clippers defeating Utah Jazz. Um, big blitz at the beginning of the first quarter gave the Clippers a lead. They never relinquished it. Utah kept it close. They stayed within a puncher's distance, but the Clippers had the knockout punch. Uh, they were able to kind of distance themselves every time Utah got close. Uh, and so that was a team that is a veteran team knew they had to win this game, came out with a lot of intensity, built themselves a lead, and never let go. So, Clippers-Jazz at 1-1, Raptors-Bucks at 1-1, two very fun series. Like, I would expect Rudy Gobert to be back maybe this weekend, uh, Sunday night when the Jazz play the Clippers for Game 4 perhaps, but uh, the Celtics being down 2-0 to the Bulls, a huge, huge story across the NBA. That's for the playoff recap on today's episode of Locked on Magic. I'm going to talk a little bit about the draft results. We do have some news that we got to report and talk about. And then I'm going to get back into our What Went Right, What Went Wrong series recapping the 2017 season. On today's episode, I'm going to be talking about two players that were searching for their position and one who found it and one who did not. But let's start with the news of the day, and that is the Orlando Magic officially know where they're picking in the NBA draft. Not that first pick. The lottery is May 16th. But the Orlando Magic acquired a pick from the Toronto Raptors in the Serge Ibaka deal. It was the worst of the Toronto Raptors' two first-round picks. Between They had the LA Clippers pick as well. And the NBA held their official tiebreakers in a oddly tense but entertaining uh, special on NBA TV at around 3 o'clock. 
uh, this afternoon. Um, I, I love the, the the dramatic elevator music, and then I was admittedly sitting on the edge of my seat, begging for the right ping pong balls to come up because, as they say. Lottery practice makes lottery perfect. We'll be having our lottery practice at the end of the show. Day three of the one lottery per day challenge. So, where are the magic making? Well, the, 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 way, this, the way this happened, because I was extremely interested in this, because my understanding was was a coin toss, and, and the NBA does not do coin tosses to break ties anymore. The way the NBA breaks ties is they had their little lottery drum, and they, they played a little lottery. And so the magic... The Magic's pick was involved in a four-way tie. The LA Clippers, Toronto Raptors, Utah Jazz, and Cleveland Cavaliers all tied with 51 wins. And so each team got two ping-pong balls with their logo, and they were placed inside of a drum. And they would draw, they would draw until all four, until three teams were picked and, and, and to set the order. And so the LA Clippers ping pong ball came up first. That pick went to the Toronto Raptors. Then came the LA Clippers again. So that was a redraw. Then came the Utah Jazz, and then the Toronto Raptors came next. So the Orlando Magic will pick the 25th pick in the NBA draft this coming June as part of that Serge Ibaka deal. So the Magic now, that deal is now officially complete. We know where Orlando is picking uh, in the late first round. Of course, the NBA draft lottery is coming up uh, at the end of, of May. It's May 16th, I believe. Uh, that's when the Magic will figure out where their main pick is coming up. They have the fifth most lottery odds in the NBA draft, 88 number combinations for the lottery, um, and about a, I think it's a 20, let me get the odds, 29.1% chance to land in the top three, a little bit less than one in three chance to end up in the top three. That's the big one we're watching, but don't overlook this 25th pick. I, I, I'll be doing more on the draft once we get through some of the season recap stuff, and and we'll be diving into some of the players uh, that the Magic can be can pick. But you know, I, I was curious now that this pick is set. Who are the kind of players that the Magic are going to be picking? And there are some interesting names. I went on to Draft Express like right after the lottery took place here, and some of the names that that were projected to be around that 25 mark are some interesting guys. You got. Guys like UCLA forward TJ Leaf, uh, uh, an interesting stretch four uh, coming from UCLA. Guy who can shoot the ball, um, has a little bit of toughness. I mean, obviously that whole UCLA team struggled with, with defense, but TJ Leaf was an interesting athletic stretch four. Syracuse forward Tyler Lydon, a kind of tweener forward uh, who has some ability to, to score in between. I don't know if he's exactly the right guy for them. Uh, Duke forward Harry Giles, a former top High school prospect was supposed to be one of the best players on Duke. Struggled with injuries all year, but there's clearly a lot of talent there. He started to come on a little bit stronger toward the end of the season. Uh, so if the Magic are looking for a forward, he would be someone there, to, someone to look at as well, just from a pure talent perspective, as someone you can develop. Duke forward Luke Kennard is also being also projected to be picked around that time. Kennard was probably Duke's best low post score throughout the throughout the season. One of their better scores all season. I think he averaged somewhere around 19 points per game. If you're looking for someone that's probably ready to make an impact immediately, Kennard might be that guy. I do think the Magic should invest in a traditional four. Um, I, I have to watch more tape on him. I know a lot of people are very high on him. Uh, certainly, he put up the stats at Duke to, to show that you know maybe he's worth taking a look at. Uh, and then Oklahoma State guard Jawan Evans, um, guy that's been connected to the Magic for a long time. He's actually someone that we highlighted 
back when the Magic first acquired that pick um, from the Raptors to saying, okay, well, who's going to be available in, in the mid to late 20s? You know, since most of our focus was at the top of the draft and, and some of the bigger names out there. Evans, I think, projects to be a very nice point guard, very good backup point guard at the very least immediately. Um, he had some struggles finishing at the rim, but he can get to the basket. Really dynamic athlete athlete and player, experienced guy. I think he can come in and make an immediate impact. Um, so, they're, you know, when you look at some of these players available at the back end of the first round, and, and obviously there's still a lot of work to do here, and Orlando is going to have a couple sec- is going to have at least one second round pick, possibly two, uh, to to play around with there, two in the top thirty. They, it's very po- it's very possible. The odds are actually the Magic will have four picks in the top thirty five picks of this draft. So uh, the Magic will have the opportunity to bring in some good young talent, and 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 depending on what they're looking for, could could uh, find some nice treasures here. Uh, in, in this NBA draft, um, I I am not upset at all picking 25 if these are the names that the Magic will have in front of them. These are all players that I think can contribute at the NBA level. There are certainly questions, certainly some risk involved in all of them. It's certainly about putting them in the right system, giving them the right role to succeed. But a guy like Giles is extremely talented. He has lottery talent. A guy like Leaf and Evans and Kennard can probably contribute pretty quickly to your team. So, uh, I, I wouldn't look past this 25th pick. It's, it's, it's good that this finally got out of the way. Uh, you know, the, the Magic, you know, didn't win this tiebreaker. They certainly didn't lose it either. They probably fell about where everyone expected them to. Um, it is a random tiebreaking draw, so you, you can't do very much about it except bite your nails and, and hope things turn out for the best. It was, like I said, very good lottery practice uh, for Orlando. So Orlando will pick 25th. In the NBA draft, as part of the Serge Ibaka deal, the Toronto Raptors will send them that pick, or that that pick is already sent to them now. Uh, and so, Orlando, a piece to, a piece of Orlando's puzzle is now firmly in place. The next time we really talk heavily about the draft will be at the NBA Draft Combine in early May, and then May 16th, of course, is the NBA Draft Lottery. A lot to happen before then, as the Magic are in the midst of their GM search. You can listen to yesterday's podcast for an update on that, and. We'll see exactly what happens. Napa it takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10-31-17. But let's dive back into season review. Uh, that's that's what we're focusing on this week uh, as we're the week, the week after the season. I like to take a moment, just kind of go back through what went right and what went wrong throughout the season. And today, the focus is on two players who were searching for their role and their position throughout the season and had some trouble finding it. And one player, I think, really did find it. And it was probably where he should have been all along. From the moment the Orlando Magic drafted Aaron Gordon in the 2014 NBA draft, he was a fountain of limitless possibility. First off, the pick was a complete surprise. But... Gordon was a player who felt like a blank slate. He was this superb athlete. 
who seemed like he could potentially do it all. His shot needed improvement for sure. But he was someone that had just this boundless energy. Three years into his career, though, it was time to begin defining who he is. Injuries slowed him down his first two years. A broken foot kept him out of, I think it was something like 30, 40 games his rookie year. A broken jaw after his rookie year slowed down his development. And it was still entering this season very unclear what or who Gordon was. The conventional wisdom was play him at power forward. He's a big guy. He's, you know, he's, he's a pretty good rebounder. He's someone that should be close to the basket for putbacks and dunks and all that. But because of his poor jump, jump shot, shouldn't have him on the perimeter too much. He's not great at creating for himself yet. Uh, and so the conventional wisdom was put him at power forward. And I think most everyone would agree with that, that that was where he, at least to this point, felt most comfortable. It was time for the Magic, though, to begin defining who and what he was. And even though Power Forward seemed like the right fit for him, Gordon still experienced some success playing small forward. He essentially, for the first two years of his career, split his minutes between the two positions. If you go look at basketballreference.com's play-by-play box score, you'll see about a 40-60 split between small forward and power forward, most of his minutes coming at power forward. So when the Magic acquired Serge Ibaka and then went after Bismack Biombo, and it became clear that the Magic were going to have this logjam at, at, at power forward, they had at least... They had no reservations about moving Gordon to small forward because they played him there about half of his minutes anyway. It was a gamble, no doubt about it, because of all the things that I mentioned before. Gordon isn't a great jump shooter. He has never really had to attack off the bounce. He's never had to work from the perimeter. He's always worked kind of mid-post or off cuts around the basket. Power forward felt like the right place for him. But Frank Vogel dutifully sold it. We think we can turn him into Paul George. We think that we can continue to grow his skills at this position and that this is a place where he can succeed because he can succeed at either position. And Gordon would tell you, you know, I'm a forward. You know, I'm a basketball player. He wouldn't even go that far. He'd say, I'm a basketball player. You tell me where to line up and I'll play there. To say the least, that experiment failed. And that's not the part that went right. Gordon, by almost every statistical measure, struggled at small forward. He shot just 42.8% from the floor. He averaged 11.2 points per game and 4.6 rebounds per game before the All-Star break. He did not fit the position well. He looked slower off the bounce against quicker small forwards. He couldn't break them down off the dribble as much as he could, as much as you would like. His dribble was pretty loose. It wasn't a tight dribble. He wasn't great at attacking. He was dunking less. There was that 538 piece that came out around the dunk contest saying, why is Aaron Gordon dunking less? The answer was obvious. He's on the perimeter facing a cluttered lane. This wasn't, A, this wasn't the time to experiment with Aaron Gordon. You needed to do what you knew he was good at because you're trying to win basketball games. And also, 
the the lane was too clogged with two big men to allow him to drive. And so the small forward experiment fell completely flat. After the All-Star break, though, something did happen. Aaron Gordon became Aaron Gordon again. He became a much more consistent and reliable player, averaging 16.4 points per game and 6.2 rebounds per game while shooting 50.3% from the floor. According to 82games.com, his PER while playing power forward, so this isn't necessarily after the All-Star break, but he he played, I think it turned out to be like 2% of his minutes at power forward before the All-Star break, according to Basketball Reference. But according to 82games.com, Gordon posted an 18.6 PER at the power forward position compared to a below average 13.5 PER at small forward this year. It may have been obvious, and I'm sure you're saying this like, duh, Phil. Aaron Gordon is a power forward. We were saying that all year long. The stats bore that out. The aesthetics bore that out. And now the magic know that for sure. Aaron Gordon is a power forward in today's NBA. It is where he can make the most use of his athleticism, where his speed and quickness and sometimes shaky dribbling and sometimes shaky jump shooting can beat the slower-footed power forwards that would defend him. It is where he can cause the most problems because he can rebound again. His angles are better attacking the basket. And while, again, this was like a well-duh statement, knowing this for sure and knowing that this is how you need to build are powerful tools. Like I said, this probably wasn't the year to run this experiment with Gordon at small forward because the Magic were trying to win. But like running Victor Oladipo at point guard, I do think it has its value. I do think it has had it, had its value. Because when you watch Gordon trying to attack off the dribble and doing that pull-up jumper, he does a really nice two-dribble pull-up. When you see him do that, that was directly because he played small forward early in the year. That he worked on that skill to prepare to play small forward. So he has elements of playing the three in his game now as a four. And that will make him better in the long run. Again, that's something that should have been done two years ago. Not this year, when there's so much riding on the line. But, give Aaron Gordon a healthy summer. Give Aaron Gordon a summer where he knows what's expected of him. Some continuity with coaching. And I think it will serve him better in the long run. And I also think that the Magic know what Aaron Gordon is. Three years into his career, they can begin to define and carve out a specific role for him. And if we're we're just going to ignore the expectations and the results of the season... For Aaron Gordon's long-term growth, that is a very, very powerful thing and a very good thing for him in the long run. Aaron Gordon still projects as the best player on this team. And with a summer of development, 
he can continue to grow and mature into that role. This is obviously a big summer for him. It's a contract extension summer. It'll be an extension, it'll be a free agency year next year for him. It's a contract year. And I think the Magic now have a better idea of who and what Aaron Gordon can be because of the things they had to go through this year, both the failures and, at the end of the season, the successes. And so for this reason, I do think things went right for Aaron Gordon. He showed a lot of promise. He showed a lot of growth. And at the end of the season, he showed that he has a home. And and a, a clearly and a more clearly defined skill set that can only grow from here. Unfortunately, we can't say that about one of his teammates who struggled all year to find his home. And that teammate was Mario Hazonia. The biggest framework for debate that I have with Mario Azonia all year, through all the struggles that he had this season, essentially came down to this. Mario Azonia was the fifth overall pick in the draft two years ago. You have to play him. For a team that's trying to win, that is a very difficult thing to do when he is not contributing at the level that you need him to. And I think Frank Vogel laid out the problem as best he could later in the season when when Hazonia re-entered the rotation. At the beginning of the season, they viewed Hazonia more as a 2-3 point guard type player. Someone who could play on the play on the wings, defend wings, move the ball, move the ball as a point guard type type player. And that didn't work out. Hazonia struggled defensively. With that, his shot just would not fall all year long. He ended up shooting 29.9% from beyond the arc, 35.6% from the floor. 42.1% effective field goal percentage. His, his numbers were down across the board. And it's not just a matter of minutes. He only played three fewer minutes per game last this year over last year. It wasn't... He just didn't work out how the Magic initially planned playing for him. So he fell out of the rotation for a little while. And as frustrating as it was to watch Jeff Green sometimes play, there was always a feeling that Hazonia wasn't much better. And it was a small sample size, but Hazonia did not play well in those first 10 games before he got taken out of the rotation. Vogel did find ways to try and work him back in. And, and he did try him at the 2-3 at the wing to say to, to try and just play him in the traditional way that everyone thought of him. And it took thinking a little bit outside the box to get him to play at least somewhat effectively. When Vogel said that we're going to play Azonia as a backup four one day when Jeff Green was hurt, it took everyone by surprise because no one thought of Mario Azonia as a four. And it had its limited successes. There's no doubt about it. 
Hazonia did seem to be able to attack other fours a lot better in the same way that, that Aaron Gordon was. His speed became more of a factor. His, his ability to handle the ball became more of an advantage. His passing, especially from that position, became a huge advantage. But that success was very limited. It didn't really change much for Hazonia. At the end of the year, we're looking at a guy who the Magic invested a lot in. They picked him with the fifth overall pick in the draft. That is part of his narrative. It's looking at a guy who averaged 4.9 points per game. Again, shot 35.6% from the floor. And most alarmingly, for a player that was billed as the best shooter in his draft, 30, 29.9% from beyond the arc. Zonia had his moment, had his areas where he improved. He definitely improved as, as a basketball player in a lot of ways. His defense became a lot more reliable, especially as the season went on. His playmaking and his, and his vision were still superb. He just couldn't make a shot all year long. And it wasn't a matter of rhythm, because he'd get into a rhythm and he'd miss shots. A lot of the gambles the Magic took this year simply failed. And there's no way to get around it. And Mario Azzoni was one of those gambles. Because even after he struggled a bit last year, there was still reason to believe believe in him. 51.3% effective field goal percentage. Shot 34.9% from from beyond the arc, but that could be him adjusting to the longer NBA line. 6.1 points per game, you know, per 36 minutes last year, 12.2 points per 36 minutes. There was still plenty of reason to believe Hazonia could take a step up. And Orlando, entering the season, expected Hazonia to be part of the rotation. And when you looked at how he played at the Olympics for his national team, there is no clue that he was going to struggle to shoot as much as he ended up struggling to shoot. But the reality quickly became that Hazonia just did not fit or was unable to execute the schemes that his coach and his, and his t- teammates needed him to fit. And it became difficult to find ways to play him. The Magic wanted to play him. And it just didn't work. Nothing they tried work until they slotted him at the four. And it's hard to say whether that will work in the long term either. Is Mario Azonia really a power forward? Against the bigger power forwards, he got bullied. And he's going to have to Put on some muscle if he's going to play that position. And most importantly, if he wants to, frankly, save his career, he's got to make shots. That is the key to everything Mario Wazoni does. Because what makes him special? What makes him an NBA player? If not that. The Magic, again, invested a top five pick in this kid. And, you know, every time you mention that, someone inevitably brings up Miles Turner. Somebody inevitably brings up Devin Booker, two players that the Magic passed over. And I will continue to argue with them, those players weren't options given the information available at the time. There were legitimate questions about both those players that were not present about Mario Azonia, who looked like a better talent at the time, who was billed by many people, both inside and outside at NBA offices, as the best shooter in the draft. The concern with Mario Azzoni was not his shooting or his skill. It was his attitude and demeanor. 
which have not been a pro- which as far as I know have not been a problem at all with the magic. The kid works hard. The kid is hard if anything, he's harder on himself. We're waiting for that swagger to come out because I think it would benefit him at this point if he thought he was better than he really was. But there's no getting around it. The Magic invested a lot in this kid, and they want to see him succeed. And throughout this season, they couldn't find a way to make it happen. And ultimately, it hurt the team because they needed him to make something happen this year. All right, before we log off, it is time once again for our hashtag one lottery per day. We are officially 28 days away from the NBA draft lottery. The ties, of course, have been broken. The big tie in the lottery was Minnesota, New York were tied for six. So Minnesota won that tiebreaker. uh, And they are now, they they have these, they they split the ping pong balls. They both get, uh, I think it's what, 183. No, they don't get 183, do they? No, they both get 53 number combinations for the lottery, but Minnesota gets the first set of those 53. Plus, if neither team makes it into the top three, Minnesota picks ahead in New York. So that was the big tiebreaker that was done there. Let's run the lottery here on Tankathon. Da, 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 da. So far, the Magic have picked second and seventh. Philadelphia's gotten the first overall pick twice. And today, our lottery is but the third pick in the NBA draft. It's the Orlando Magic. So two out of three days of doing hashtag one lottery per day, the Magic have landed in the top three. I hope we're not wasting that. Second is the Boston Celtics. And first, climbing eight spots, the Dallas Mavericks. First time getting the first overall pick in our one lottery per day. That means though, that means also for the first time or for the second time here, the Magic will get the Lakers pick in 2019 because Philadelphia as the Lakers fell out of the top 3 to 5th and they end up sending their pick to Philadelphia. So, today's one lottery per day. Dallas, Boston, Orlando, your top 3. Second time we've had Orlando win the lottery, get into the top 3, first time with the third pick. Dallas a first time first overall pick and for the second time since we started doing this on Monday, uh, the Magic received the Lakers 2019 pick. I want you to send me your lotteries using the hashtag one lottery per day. You can send them to me at Locked On Magic or at OmagicDaily. Uh, one lottery per day. Only do it once per day. And we'll uh, we'll have fun keeping track of what the lottery will look like as we get to the May 16th lottery 28 days away from the NBA draft lottery. So less than a month. It's going to come pretty fast, guys. Not going to lie. You can, of course, follow the podcast, like I said, on Twitter at LockedOnMagic, as well as on Facebook, like us at LockedOnMagic. You can follow me on Twitter at OmagicDaily, like us at LockedOnMagic. Be sure, as well, to check out the other great podcasts in the LockedOn Podcast Network. If you're excited about tonight's game between the Oklahoma City Thunder and Houston Rockets, You can go check out the great work that Fred Katz does on Locked on Thunder. I was a guest on his podcast. He was a guest on my podcast during the summer, during the the Serge Ibaka trade, uh, as well as we talked after the Magic played the Thunder at the Amway Center 
uh, had a had a good had a really good show. That was a, that was a fun show. So be sure to check out Locked On Thunder if you're looking to get your Thunder fix before that game. And really, every team in the NBA playoffs right now has a Locked On podcast. So if you're looking to catch up on the Cleveland Cavaliers, on the Indiana Pacers, on the Oklahoma City Thunder, on the Houston Rockets, on the San Antonio Spurs, on the Memphis Grizzlies, on the LA Clippers, on the Utah Jazz, on the Golden State Warriors, any every team in the NBA playoffs has a Locked On podcast. Just search for search on iTunes or Audioboom, Locked On, and the team you're looking for, and you will have the best information, just like you get here on Locked On Magic, the best information on the team you are looking for. So be sure to check that out. Of course, you can download you can download and subscribe to our podcast, Locked On Magic, on iTunes, Audioboom, Stitcher, TuneIn, and all the fun places that you download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. We'll be back again tomorrow with another episode looking at another element that went right and went wrong this season as we continue our season recap of the 2017 Orlando Magic season. For Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic, this has been Philip Rossman-Reich. I'll see you all again tomorrow on another episode of Locked on Magic. You are Locked on Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Napa know-how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10 17